Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Done and Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this podcast journey, all things Dominic Dunn, where nothing is linear and everything is connected. Thanks so much for tuning in today as we continue the investigation into the death of Lita McClinton Sullivan and the long quest for justice to bring her husband Jim Sullivan to account for her murder. In the second episode of this arc, we are going to explore Jim and Lita Sullivan and their time in Palm Beach from 1983 up into the morning of Lita's death in Atlanta in January of 1987. Let's investigate. One part of this story is about an upstart, Jim Sullivan, who is never going to fulfill the life he craves, but not for lack of trying. The story... And another part is about the lengths this upstart will go to in order to fulfill his dreams. In 1983, Jim and Lita Sullivan come to town and Jim, trying his best with all the things he thinks he has to make it into the real Palm Beach. Again, Palm Beach is a high society bastion. But remember what Dominic Dunn says. It is exclusive. This world happens in private homes and clubs. It is very much behind walls. And to break through in Palm Beach, it takes a little bit more than money and the right home. Jim Sullivan doesn't have quite that kind of cash or the storied generations of relatives that have played in the Palm Beach scene, but most problematically, at least within Palm Beach society, Jim Sullivan had the wrong kind of wife. Not that there is anything wrong with Lita McClinton Sullivan. She's a beautiful Atlanta socialite, loaded with charm, filled with grace, all the right schools and connections, but Lita is a black woman, married to a man who is incredibly ambitious. Jim and Lita come to Palm Beach in 1983 with the intent of climbing the ladder in this elite community. Lita from Atlanta, the city too busy to hate, and Jim with his accomplished wife, the money that he has made, his important home. It never occurs to Jim and Lita that the rungs of that high society social ladder might be more difficult to attain than they first thought in their sunny optimism. One Palm Beacher says, quote, he was new and she was black, unquote, explaining why the transition to an island 
where lineage is measured in generations and moneyed minorities scarcely exist would have been difficult. Another Palm Beacher says, They couldn't go to clubs. They would have stuck out like a sore thumb. There are only two clubs that matter in Palm Beach, the Everglades and the Bath and Tennis, at least at this time. And Jim Sullivan is not ever going to be invited for membership into these clubs on his own merit. Sure, he can buy tickets to events to at least get in the doors and smell and envy that rarefied air. He'll go to polo matches and parties. He'll find the right events to attend, but as a ticket buyer, not as an insider. Jim Sullivan is never going to be extended an invitation to the Coconuts. Jim Sullivan, for his part, blames his lack of being accepted immediately into this Palm Beach scene on his wife, Lita. To be fair, as we learned back in the Palm Beach Chronicles episodes, no one gets into Palm Beach. Not like that, not like this. But Jim is kind of too dumb to understand this. And his immediate lack of landing the success he thinks he deserves, this all becomes Lita's fault. The problem Jim feels is that he is married to a black woman. And it is Lita's race that is holding him back from breaking through to his dreams. But Jim really is the reason. (laughs) It's not Lita's fault. It's Jim's fault. First and foremost, Jim is cheap. Uh, Palm Beecher says, quote, He is the tightest guy in the world. A party at Sullivan's was one hors d'oeuvre and 40-watt bulbs in the lamps. That's not going to win you host of the year, Jim. And while Lita, Lita's miserable. Jim has her under strict financial control. Jim wanting to live that Palm Beach life doesn't set Lita up to be an asset for him. Most women of Palm Beach, the ladies who are in the scene, they have hired help. Lita does not. Lita cleans that home herself. Jim will not hire any staff for her. When folks come to the door and Lita answers the door, folks ask if the lady of the house is home as Lita could only in Palm Beach, in their mind at least, be domestic help. Nothing about Lita's life is going great once she lands in Palm Beach. She's nothing more than a maid. She gets no cash for her basic upkeep or the upkeep of the house. There are no visits to the salon, no manicure, pedicure. Like the life that you want to be seen living, where women make those connections in the scene, Jim isn't giving Lita a chance to do. Jim is not providing for Lita. Also, Jim is cheating left and right. Shortly after this move to Palm Beach, Lita's kind of had enough. She really isn't all that interested in being there. Lita knows she's worth way more than sticking around in this city where she's not welcome with a husband who blames her for his own shortcomings. Jim and Lita will make a townhome purchase in Atlanta. This is in Buckhead on Slatton Drive. 
This is a pretty fancy address in Atlanta. It's south of Tuxedo Park. It's near the governor's mansion. Buckhead in the 1980s was really ritzy, super glamorous, the best shopping, the best food. And Lita is going to find herself spending much more time back in Atlanta and away from Jim and Palm Beach. A little bit of respite for Lita, but Jim is going to take full advantage of Lita's absence. By the 1984 social season, Jim is seen going out alone. But again, Jim is also seeing many, many women. Some are unpaid liaisons and some are paid sex workers. One lady is going to come onto the scene in this time once Lita's back in Atlanta, who will be Lita's replacement in short order. It is time to introduce another player into our saga, Husuk Choi, who goes by the name of Suki. This Korean beauty will become Jim's third wife and very much interconnected into future events in the saga. Let's bring Suki into 1980. We're in Palm Beach in 1980. Suki marries Leonard Rogers for the first time. Both Suki and Leonard have had previous marriages, but huzzah and mazel to the happy couple, I guess. But only until 1981, when Suki and Leonard divorce after six months of marriage. This happens in 1981, the very same year Jim Sullivan purchases Casa Aleda, the ham and cheese house on South Ocean Boulevard. 1982, Forsuki brings around the second marriage to Leonard Rogers. This is a New Year's Eve wedding for the (laughs) double newlywed couple, just getting them all lined up for 1983. Remember in 1983, Jim Sullivan sells Crown Beverage, the liquor distributorship he inherited from Uncle Frank, netting Jim a cool $5 million. 1983 is also the year Jim and Lita Sullivan move to Palm Beach and into their famous ham and cheese home. And Jim, with this already acquired Korean girlfriend, he is going to spend more time than ever on the charity circuit and at the clubhouses. Jim and Suki are seeing each other during this time frame, and Jim, without his wife Lita in town, whoo, Jim's moving and shaking in Palm Beach. By 1985, he is on the circuit. And remember, Suki has these connections from her two marriages to Leonard Rogers. Jim does have a fancy home, Casa Aleda, and Lita's certainly not spending his cash. It's time for Jim to make some moves. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. Now remember, Jim is not ever going to be offered membership in any of the exclusive clubs, but he will buy tickets and be seen in the right places. He'll watch all the swells at the Breakers and the Everglades. Jim will begin to play tennis, but not very well by all accounts. Jim Sullivan will also learn how to fly a plane. But here in 1985, with the right house and some new skills and some cash, Jim is going to run a hard alliance promoting the latest mayoral candidate. A Palm Beacher says, He fooled the people in Palm Beach, all right, and Dee Dee Merrick's. He fooled her completely. See, Jim is going to lend his time and his home and his money to the mayoral race for Dee Dee Merrick's, which works out for Dee Dee. She wins that race. (laughs) The job of mayor in Palm Beach doesn't pay anything, but wowza, it is powerful. So powerful, in fact, that Dee Dee Merrick's recommends Jim in 1985, right after her election, for one of the most powerful positions in Palm Beach. What's that job? Well, that job is a member of the board of a seven-member committee and holy cats. It is the biggest volunteer job in town. Let me introduce you to the Landmarks Preservation Commission. Again, the seven-member board tells Palm Beach what they can and cannot do with their homes and their gates and their gardens and their properties. And let me assure you, Jim Sullivan really enjoys the power and privilege of telling other folks what to do with their homes and stuff. Truly, Jim Sullivan is a weasel. He loves this position of power. A Palm Beacher says, That commission was his whole claim to fame. That was his key into society. And friends, it was. In this job, apparently Jim is knowledgeable about his work. He's described by some folks as being reserved and pleasant and articulate. Don't let that fool you, though. Joanne McClinton, Lita's mother, will counter this sentiment with this particular quote about her son-in-law. If you meet him, you'd think he's charming and well-spoken. He could act kind and thoughtful. And if you don't know him, he has a way of bowling over you. It's later you learn he's a ladies' man, that he's practiced and perfected that over the years. To be fair, there are a lot of folks in Palm Beach that share Lita's mother's opinion of Jim. There's a whole nother camp in this high society scene that describes Jim as arrogant, controlling, and pompous, which I do think is a little bit truer to Jim's character. Irony of all ironies here, while serving on the Landmarks Preservation Commission, telling everybody in Palm Beach what to do, 
Jim's own home was falling into disrepair as well as his marriage. Because Lita has tried so hard, but you and I both know that a leopard can't change its spots. Jim and Lita now together for about a decade between the courtship and marriage. But here in 1985, Lita's had enough. After a decade of emotional abuse and adultery and so many lies. Lita and Jim have tried couples counseling. Jim has promised to quit cheating. Lita has also signed a post-nuptial agreement. Jim, in 1985, buys Lita a $28,000 diamond ring, but it isn't enough. Once Lita finds out about additional sex workers, finds other women's hair in her bed, Lita is not blonde, Lita's kind of had enough. That's the last straw. And in August of 1985, when Jim is out of town, Lita is going to pack up her stuff and hitches up a U-Haul to her Mercedes and hightails it back to Atlanta, back to her family and friends and a life that is much more welcoming than the cold and cruel world of Jim Sullivan and Palm Beach. Lita maybe is considering her options here. That postnuptial agreement that Jim has her sign allows Lita to get $2,500 a month in alimony. Lita, I can see, might think, that's fine. Let me be done with this. I'm going to make a new life away from Jim. When Lita filed for divorce, though, it got ugly. Lita, after consulting with Lawyers and learning about divorce law in Georgia is going to renegotiate what she thinks she wants out of this, and Lita will decide to take Jim to court for half of his $5 million estate, and this would prove to be the fight of Lita's life. Again, the divorce is ugly. Jim accused Lita of drug abuse, of adultery, of theft. Lita's friends and family are like, come on, Jim, not our Lita. We all know who ruined this marriage, and that is all on you, buddy. Lita, again, her friends and family know that Jim was the rampant adulterer in the marriage, as well as heaps of emotional abuse and financial control. And y'all know it and I know it, divorces can be expensive. Lita, in the divorce, wanted to keep that Slayton Drive Tuxedo Park townhome, along with its furnishings, the Chippendale Mirror and the Baccarat Crystal. Oh yeah, her Mercedes too. But by this time, Jim is in some real financial trouble. Five million really isn't going to get you that far in Palm Beach, even in the mid-1980s. Jim Sullivan now has two mortgages extended to Casa Aleda, the ham and cheese house, as well as the mortgage on the townhome in Buckhead, and their alimony payments to Lita now that they're separated, as well as Sookie, Jim's girlfriend. There's a lot of pressure coming on to Jim, big pressure. And the thing that he values most in the world, his money, is coming under attack. But in Georgia, there is a little law where divorces are settled by a judge, not a jury. 
And Lita really likes her chances. She may not get half of Jim's assets, but she's likely to end up with a bigger percentage of those assets than the $2,500 post-nuptial agreement called for. And Jim has 5 million reasons not to let that happen. And here is Lita back in Atlanta, living her best life. She is 35 years old, back in the city that she loves, with her parents, her family, her friends. Lita rejoins the social circuit and is soon organizing charity events and balls for philanthropy endeavors. She's making a contribution back into Atlanta and investing in the new life she wants. Lita is ready to be done with the divorce from Jim in January 1987 and ready to start a new chapter in her life. Perhaps a new chapter with a man that might love her the way she loves him. Maybe there are kids in her future. This new chapter Lita is so desperately hoping and wishing for will never come. There is a lot of back and forth, lawyers, court appearances from 1985 to January 1987, but by this date, Lita is finally, finally about to be free. The divorce settlement hearing was scheduled for January 16, 1987. The morning before this hearing, Lita will answer her door in her Tuxedo Park townhome She's still in her nightgown and bathrobe. It's early morning. But at the door is a flower delivery man. And what lady doesn't like flowers? Here's a tall white man handing Lita a box of pink roses and also pulling out a 9mm gun. The assailant shoots Lita numerous times and flees the scene. Lita's neighbor does call for help. Lita will sadly die in the hospital from these gunshot wounds. As soon as this news comes out, everyone Lita knows, knows that Jim is 100% responsible for this. He's the only one with a motive to kill Lita and again, 5 million reasons to ice out his wife. Jim was in Palm Beach when Lita's murder happened so it couldn't have physically been Jim, but everybody is pretty convinced that Jim did it. Proving this would be an altogether more complicated problem, and it will take almost 20 years to get justice for Lita McClinton Sullivan. When we come back next week, we will talk about that long and arduous journey in attaining justice for Lita. Investigators, thank you so much for tuning in today, for spending your time with me. Thank you for telling your friends and fellow podcast enthusiasts about Done and Done, your kind emails, your ratings, and your reviews. A huge shout out to our supporters over at patreon.com slash done and done. If you are looking to add a little bit more to your Done and Done investigation, $2 a month will get you all the episodes early and ad-free along with Dunn Drops. This past week, we did do a deep dive into Casa Aleda and the Ham and Cheese House. 
And for five bucks a month, you can add on now over 54 Not Done Yet episodes. And Not Done Yet this week, on the anniversary of Dominic Dunn's death, we remembered him fondly with some apt observations from some of his good friends. Again, huge thanks to y'all. I can't wait to see you back for our next Dunn Day for the conclusion of this arc and the rest of the journey to finally get Jim Sullivan for his dastardly deeds. Until we meet again, stay curious and keep on investigating. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.